0: If you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you would, uh, join me in finding two places. uh, 1 Samuel 25, as we're going verse by verse through this book, and Luke chapter 2. And I had some excitement during the song service. I got to uh, talk to a family who is going to be uh, joining next Sunday morning, and their son is going to be getting baptized. So, uh, amen. Thank you for those amen, and the rest of you, uh, shame on you. But anyway, uh, uh, so we're very thankful for that. And so uh, I, I hope we were more excited for you to join, for you who didn't say amen, than you were for this family. So, but uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do. Uh, but today I wanted to just uh, talk to you for a minute. Uh, I had really been begging God uh, to let me stop uh, preaching through First Samuel and do a Christmas series. And uh, I had two sermons prepared. And uh, hadn't even brought in the notes for the, for the uh, tech people. Uh, because I just kept asking God, Lord, I, I think it's a good time for us to take a break. And, and how are you going to get a Christmas sermon out of 1 Samuel? And, and uh, just really argued with God a long time. And uh, the Lord won. and um, But as we are going through 1 Samuel we are going to be looking at the Christmas story because there is a common theme in this chapter today. And in this chapter today, we see a man who is too busy for the future king. A man who is too busy for the future king. But I want to lead today with a verse to remind you. Because the man that we're going to look at today was a harsh and cruel man. He was a man that did not care about meeting the king. He didn't care about meeting the man who was going to be the future king. But yet, God still offered a meeting with him. And so I want to read to you very quickly Romans chapter 5, verse 6. And I want you to be thinking about this verse as we walk through this chapter today. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for you, not when you were perfect, but he died for you knowing your sins, knowing your shame, knowing the things that you've never mentioned to another person. And so today, as we read through this story, and you begin to think about your relationship with the Lord, or if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, sometimes I hear people say, I'm just too bad. I have, I have, have. There's no way God could love someone like me. Or today, we're also going, going to be looking at someone who did not think he had a need to meet the king. And so today, whether you think you are too good to need Jesus or whether you think you are too bad that Jesus couldn't save you today, I hope to show you the difference. And so if you would stand with me as you found uh, first Samuel chapter twenty five. And I want us just to read our text for today, verses two through thirteen. That way we can get a picture of what is going on, starting in verse two. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. He had three thousand sheep and a thousand goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doing. He was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers, your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants, and do to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David, and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to the men whom I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. Pray with me. Father, today I come thanking you for your word and that you know best. And so today, Lord, I pray that as we look at a man who was too busy, who was too blessed to give you any attention, to give the future king any attention. Lord, I pray that you would slow us down today and remind us that each and every one of us have been given an opportunity, that you have reached out to us, and that we need to respond. And so, Father, as we look not only at that, but how the Christmas story has the very same theme, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know that you love us, And that you want a relationship with us. And so Father I ask it all in Jesus name. Amen. So if you understood what happened from that reading. Nabal his men and his sheep had been out in the wilderness. And David and his men were hiding in caves. And unlike most armies that would have took what they wanted from Nabal. They could have taken his sheep. They could have taken his men. They could have taken their provisions. They didn't. They ensured that Nabal and his men and his servants were cared for. And what happens is David needs something. And so David says, we were good to them. And so we're going to send our men and ask for something very small in return. And this morning, I want to show you three quick things. Hopefully this first sermon was very short. And if you listen well, you will hopefully get that blessing as well. The first thing I want to warn you about this this morning is the busyness of life will keep you from accepting the king. Look what it says here in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 25. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. That's not talking about a chocolate. It's talking about a town. And the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 3,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man of the name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. But the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. It's probably been said maybe in your life like this. Their wife is so nice, so sweet, so wonderful. And she married Jake. And uh, you see the significance here. He's talking about Abigail and how godly she was. But yet the husband was cruel. He would have been harsh. He would have been all about make as much money as you can. However you can make it. And don't worry about it. And what happens is. It begins to talk about his material blessings. This morning I want you to hear something. Regardless of what liberal America tells you. It is not a sin to be best blessed by God financially. If God has blessed you financially, it does not matter what the liberals think. It is not unchristian to be wealthy. The Bible says it is a sin when you love your wealth more than you love your Savior, okay? And so what happens is this man is wealthy. Wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. And in this day and time, something happens. David is wanting to honor God. He's wanting to celebrate with a feast. And he doesn't have anything because he's literally living in caves. Right? He's trying to support an army of 600 on the run. And so he goes to this man through his servants and says, could you just share with us whatever you have left over so that we can honor God? And this morning I want you to hear this because so many times we are so blessed that we forget God. How many times would you honestly say that when the things were difficult, and money was tight, and we first got married, or our kids were were sick, or we were going through a trial or difficulty, we were close to God. We would read our Bibles together, we'd be in church, we would worship God, but as time has went on, and God has blessed you materially, God has blessed you in other areas, how easy it is to say, you know what, I I did some of this myself. I've become who I am today, Based on my hard work and and my talents and my abilities. And friends, many of you today will miss an encounter with the king. Because you are too busy, worried about the things of this world. And I want you to think about this because it happened in the birth of Jesus as well. In chapter 2 of the book of Luke, I want to show you this. Because today we're looking at David who is the future king. And Jesus was and is... The king of kings. And so in chapter 2 of Luke, what it says here in verses 1 through 7, and you're familiar with this story. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Carinus was governor governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea You see, these people were having a census taken. What they were doing is they were going to their hometown and they were registering because why? The government wanted to know who their citizens were and how much taxes they could get out of them. And so it wasn't a sinful thing, but people were so busy doing what they were doing that they missed the fact that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was being born into a manger. And friends, today you need to know something. You can become so busy that you miss what God is trying to do in your life. You can become so busy trying to accomplish and achieve the things of this world that you will miss when God is trying to do something special and miraculous in your life. Here in 1 Samuel chapter 25, as we're looking at Nabal, he is a man who has everything he needs. But what does he do with the king? What does he do with David's request? Let's go on here in verses 4 through 9. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent ten young men, in verse 4. And David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives, Don't miss this, In prosperity. Peace be to you, peace be to your house, And peace to all that you have. Now I heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them. Nor was there anything missing from them all the while while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes. For we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son David. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and waited. I want you to not miss this. David comes with a blessing. He comes saying, I am praying that God blesses you. I am praying that God will bring peace to your home, to your life. And the older I get, when I was younger, I wanted money and and fame and to be known. And now I want peace with people. And peace at home. And I know that's hard living with seven females. But it is not always their fault. I can promise you that. But peace. Peace in our relationships. Peace with God. And David is literally saying here. I have been a blessing to you. And I know that God has been a blessing to you. And so will you respond to my request? And I don't want you to miss this this morning. Because this is very important. David sent his men To Nabal. Even though David knew. What kind of a terrible person. That Nabal was. Don't miss this. Remember what it said in verse 3. About Nabal. That he was a harsh. And evil man. But yet David. Still sent messengers to him. And friends this morning. You need to know something. God is willing to reach into your life. God has done everything necessary to make a way to have a relationship with you. He sent Jesus to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross in your place, to be buried and to rise again. He has done everything necessary to reach out to you, even though He knows how sinful we are. That's why I wanted to read that verse to you this morning. Because I've read through this and thought, well, man, Nabal was a jerk. I've read through this and said, man, how could he have let these possessions blind him from who he should be? And then I had to be reminded that I can be that way. I can take God's blessings for granted. I can be a harsh and cruel person. I can be self-centered and judgmental and all of these things. But yet, even though that is true, God still loved me. God still made a way. And in the book of Luke chapter 2, I want to show you that not only was the future king trying to have a relationship with Nabal, that Jesus, the king born in a manger, is wanting to have a relationship with you. Look what it says here in verses 8 through 14 in Luke chapter 2. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Don't miss this. Just like the messengers went to Nabal and said, I got good news. God's been good to you. We've been good to you. That's what the angels were saying. Look what it says in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what? Peace. Don't miss that. Peace. Goodwill toward men. David's messengers three times said, Peace, peace, peace. And yet now, even thousands of years later, if not a thousand years later, when Jesus is being born, 800 years, where, where, wherever we 600 years, wherever you think the timeline fits here, a thousand, that's the same message. Peace. God wants you to be at peace with Him. And the only way that you can be at peace with God is through salvation. You see, friends, before you are saved, you're an enemy of God. You are at war with God. But yet God does not want you to stay that way. Just like David sent messengers to Nabal, God sent messengers, the angels, to tell them that the Messiah had been saved born. And so this morning, I want you to say this. I want you to know this. No matter how much hardship you've been through, no matter how much loss you've possibly experienced today, if you were to sit down and count your blessings, God has been good to each and every one of us. God has done everything necessary to remind us. Did you see there in verse 10? The joy will be for all people. In verse 14, peace will come to people, to the world. And so God is continually in the Old Testament reaching out through David's messengers. In the New Testament, he is reaching out through the birth of Jesus. But this morning, I want to show you something. The response is up to you. You see, Nabal could have said, they were good to me in the wilderness. Man, they were good to my sheep. They were good to my shepherds. They protected us. We could have been robbed blind out there. But listen to what happens in verse 10. Verse 10. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away from one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men whom I do not know where they are from? So David's young men turned on their heels and went back. And they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, and you know the rest of that, he tells them to get your swords, get your weapon, we're going down there to him, and we're going to execute him. We're going to destroy Nabal and his family. You say, wow, that's kind of harsh. In the very chapter before this, we saw David was was under self-control. He didn't harm Saul. He forgave. But yet here, because someone wouldn't help him, he says, I'm wiping them out. Friends, you can go from compassionate and forgiving to vengeful and vindictive just like that. The wrong comment, the wrong decision, the wrong this. And friends, I want to show you this today because Nabal brought terrible consequences on his family. Now, I can't tell you what happens because that's next week's sermon. But David is ready to wipe Nabal off the face of the earth. Why? Because he rejected David's request. He rejected the request of the future king. And this morning I want to ask you this. Do you think Nabal would have rejected him if David was already king? I don't believe he would have. You see, we accept or reject people based on who they are today. Don't miss this. But what God is working and moving could be the future. You see, at this point, David's just a criminal on the run. David's just a man hiding in the cave with nothing. But what Nabal doesn't recognize is that David is going to be king. David is going to be the greatest king in Israel's history outside of Jesus. David is going to be the one in charge. But yet he doesn't recognize that. And he refuses the request. And I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 2 one more time with me. I recently was trying to witness to someone. It was very hostile to the gospel. Very hostile to the Christian faith. And this was kind of our conversation. You know Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And uh, you know he's worthy to be worshipped. And the response was you mean the baby that was born out of wedlock? The baby that was born to a simple carpenter? You mean the baby that lived an ordinary life for almost all of his life? You mean the same Jesus who was just a carpenter like his father? The same Jesus who willingly let them spit upon him, torture him, crucify him, and be buried? Doesn't that sound very impressive to me. And I said, that's because you have the Jesus who came the first time. But when Jesus comes back the next time. He's not coming back as a humble servant. He's not coming as a king on the run. He is coming back clothed in white. He is coming back with the angels of heaven. To destroy his enemies. To make sure that every knee bows. And every tongue confesses. You see you're trying to worship The Jesus who you think the Bible talks about when really you need to be worshiping the Jesus that the Bible actually talks about. And that is the God that through Jesus created everything. The Bible says that everything was created by Him and for Him and through Him. You need to be worshipping the Jesus that all of heaven worships and sings and rejoices about. You need to be worshipping the Jesus that multitudes of angels sing His praises. You need to be worshipping the Jesus that one of these days when we get to heaven, there's going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, seated around the throne of heaven doing one thing. Worshipping not you and not me. But Him, that's the God that you need to be thinking about. That's the God that you need to be worshipping. He absolutely was God when He was a carpenter. He was absolutely God when He was on the cross. He was absolutely God when He was on in the tomb. But He was absolutely God when He came out of that tomb and conquered sin and death and the grave. And today, He's extending mercy to you. Just like David extended mercy to Nabal. He sent his messengers to be nice and to request politely and to say, We were good to you. Why don't you be good to us? But when that man said no to David's kindness, he was going to experience what? David's judgment. And, friends, this morning, I want you to hear what is talked about Jesus, this little baby who is born in verse 25, chapter 2. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And glory of your people Israel. He talks about salvation that could be. But don't miss this. Verse 33 and on. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things. Which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary his mother. Behold this child is destined for the fall. And rise of many in Israel. For a sign which will be spoken against. Yes a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That the thoughts thoughts of many hearts. May be revealed. He literally says that Jesus is going to be salvation. Or Jesus is going to be your stumbling block. Jesus is going to be the way that you find forgiveness. And hope. And peace. And joy. Or Jesus is going to be the one that you reject. And it is going to send you To hell. He says, The choice is yours. It's going to be the rise or the fall. And just like, I want you to think about this because only the Lord could do this. David was a king, but yet he wasn't operating in his full power. And he makes an offer to a wicked man, and a wicked man refuses. And Jesus was fully God when he was a servant. He was fully God when He was walking on this earth. But He was extending mercy. He was healing the blind. Healing the sick. Making the lame to walk. But yet, after that offer is rejected, Jesus will become your judge. And this morning when we talk about Christmas, and when we talk about Nabal in the Old Testament, I cannot help but correlate this idea of don't Reject the king's request. The Bible says that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. The Bible says that God desires all men to be saved. But friends, all men will not be saved. Because even though Jesus Christ died upon the cross, even though the Bible says the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convict us of sin, even though God has blessed you And God has been good to you. And God has worked in each and every one of our lives. You still have to respond. And Nabal's response was, I don't know David. I don't know Jesse. And David is just some slave who is rebelling against his master. And I don't need nothing from him. And he doesn't need anything from me. And friends, that sounds awful. Bringing that kind of judgment onto your family. But friends, it'll be much worse when God loved you so much to take on human flesh and to be born in a manger. And the world was too busy to notice. Not only that, the angels said that this Savior will bring peace and can bring peace to you. But also that very same Savior was born in a manger that came to save and to forgive you of your sins. Will also either be your rejoice and hope. Or will be what causes you to stumble. But the choice is yours. And this morning I want you to think about that. You say well Jake I'll, I'll take care of it when I stand before God one day. I'll, I'll tell him that I didn't mean it wrong. I didn't. I wasn't as bad as other people. Friends on that day it will be too late. You see, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Today, God has given you one more opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond. Today, God has given you one more opportunity to receive mercy and grace. Today, God has given you one more opportunity, Christian, to stop and say, you know what, my life has gotten so busy. I've gotten so self-centered. I've gotten so focused on me and what I can accomplish that I've missed what God has done for me. And what I should be doing for him. And so I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me this morning. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. If you're here today. And you were thankful. That Jesus knew you as a sinner. And sent Jesus to you anyway. And you're thankful. Would you just raise your hand? Hands all over the building. Thank you, you can put them down. This morning, what you have said is, I am a sinner. And I'm thankful that Jesus loved me anyway. You see, you have received an offer from the king. Today you have accepted that invitation. But today, maybe you're here and you couldn't raise your hand. You say, Jake, I just I don't think I'm, I don't need to be saved. Or I can't be saved. Or Jake, I was baptized, or I'm a church member. None of those things are accepting the invitation from the king. And so this morning, this is the request, the invitation that God has for you. That friends, you are a sinner and that your sin will separate you from God forever. Your sin will be punished if it's not covered by the blood of Jesus. But Jesus loved you so much in His perfection that He came and was born in a manger. He lived a perfect life. And He willingly went to the cross and died for you. He took your sin and mine. And He died. And He arose from that grave. And the Bible says that you have to repent of your sins turn from them you can't just acknowledge them you can't just look over them you've got to say Lord I am a sinner but I know that you loved and died for me Father I want you to come into my heart and life and forgive me and save me from my sin and the Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord today you can be saved you shall be saved but today I want to ask you this Christian If you raised your hand because you're thankful. Can I ask if you've become too busy? Can I ask if other things have started to get more time and energy energy than Jesus? Do you really love Jesus more than anybody or anything? Or today is he seventh or eighth on the list? Because friends if he's not first. He's not anything. And so today I want to challenge you to really get along with God. If you're a born again believer and say, Lord, show me the areas of my life. Now, some of you are saying, Jake, I've got Jesus right where I want him and I'm fine with that. You're not. You might tell yourself that you're fine. You might convince yourself that you're fine, but you're not. Because when Jesus changes you, he changes you. When Jesus saves you and the Spirit of God lives within you, nothing is ever the same. You say, Jake, what could be in my life that is more important than God? It could be your sin. It could be unforgiveness. It could be the blessings that God has given you. It could be your family and friends. It could be your desires. But if Jesus is not first, friends, you're not right with Him. And today, don't be nable. Don't refuse the love and kindness of God. Don't refuse the love and kindness of a king. Because friends, kings are only gracious so long. And so today, accept that forgiveness. Accept that love and mercy that God is willing to pour out on you. And so here, in just a moment, when I pray and we stand, If you were able to raise your hand that you're thankful that Jesus came and died for you, you ought to find an altar and thank Him. You ought to spend some time saying, God, how can I serve you more? But if you're here today and you're lost, and you don't know for sure that Jesus loves you and is the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to be standing right down here in front, and I'd love to tell you that God has offered you an invitation from a king. And he'll save you from your sin. And he'll save you completely. If you would stand with us as we pray. Father, today I pray that your word has been preached. Lord, it's not the sermon that I wanted. It's not the sermon that I planned. But God, I believe it's the sermon that you had for us. And so Father, for that person who's here today saying, Jake, you knew I was coming. You preached that sermon just at me. And and Jake, you stepped on my toes. Lord, that wasn't my intent. Lord, verse by verse through your word. And so I pray, Lord, today that you'd speak to the most stubborn of us. Father, I pray that if we have been cruel and harsh, Lord, that you would convict us and show us. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to realize our need for you. And so, Father, for that man, woman, boy or girl that's here today that's lost, that's been saying no to you, Jesus, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would do what only he could do and draw them to yourself. Father, I pray for that Christian who is Who has just let the things of this world creep in. Lord I pray that you'd help them to return to their first love. And to pursue you with everything they have. Father I pray for this church. That you would give us a spirit of willingness to listen to you Lord. And not a spirit of stubbornness. And so Father I pray that you'd start that in my life. And in each and every life that is here today. And so Father I ask it all in Jesus name. Amen. Today as you have been listening to this sermon maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working that I'd like to know more about Jesus I'm not sure if I've ever been saved please reach out and contact us we would love to share the gospel with you pray with you with whatever's going on in your life or maybe you are a believer but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer we'd love to join you in that battle so please reach out to us we would love and are waiting hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.